Replace Tonal Race is an ongoing effort to preserve funding for local entities receiving vital funding from property taxes, such as cities, towns, counties, schools, townships, and libraries. The General Assembly is considering several bills that would significantly reduce vital property tax funding for local units of government, jeopardizing infrastructure, public safety, education, parks, and other improvements that create and maintain quality places where people want to live and work. This special podcast series will explore what's happening in the Indiana General Assembly relative to the business personal property tax and why any reduction in this tax must come with a state-implemented, permanent, and sustainable revenue source. For more information, visit aimindiana.org bppt. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have an excellent uh, guest joining us. It's Senator Travis Holdman. Uh, Senator Holdman is the chair of the Powerful Tax and Fiscal Policy Committee in the Indiana Senate. Uh, he's been a former Wells County prosecutor, a former Republican Party chair, was on the Wells County Council, uh, represents uh, the area in and around Wells County, a number of counties in his district. Senator, thanks for joining us. Really pleased to have you on the podcast today. Sure, Matt. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Thank Which, you. Uh, no surprise this session, Senator. We'll jump right into it. You know, we often talk on this podcast about quality of place projects and uh, all those kinds of things, but certainly uh, this session, one of the things that could impact our ability to provide service and get projects done at the local level is the business personal property tax language uh, that's circulating through the process right now. But before I ask any questions about it, I, I think it's important and I've said it many times, you know, whether or not the business personal property tax is a good or, or bad tax probably isn't for us to decide. We do know that it's a, a major part of local government revenue. And we certainly appreciate uh, not only you, but some of your Senate colleagues uh, position thus far on the business personal property tax and, and stating repeatedly that, that it can't do any harm to local government uh, folks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe talk a little bit more uh, about that and uh, see where things stand on on those discussions as we head into the last part of the session. Sure, sure. Well, uh, glad to talk about it. Uh, I, I made a statement uh, probably six weeks ago, Matt, you probably recall in the tax committee uh, when I said that uh, we would not do anything that was going to uh, basically cause a rupture in uh, the revenue stream for local units of government. Um, where most all of our members, uh, nearly all of them come from, from local service, either as county commissioner, county council, uh, some form of uh, local government schools, libraries, uh, uh, nearly every form of local unit of government is represented in the legislature, especially in the Senate as well. And so, uh, we understand uh, the difficulty that folks have and the need for not only to see the continued growth and assessed value in the base, but also on top of that, the business personal property tax uh, revenue uh, that's generated at the local level. Uh, I've just been somewhat skeptical of uh, uh, the original 1002 and how that was going to work. Uh, interestingly, uh, 
Senator Buchanan had a piece of legislation that had a component that called for a one-year uh, holiday on business personal property that would have taken uh, new equipment for one year for the year that it was purchased uh, uh, out of the business personal property tax scheme. Uh, and so that piece of equipment would never, they would, the owner would never pay business personal property tax on that, that one, that one piece of equipment, which is oddly enough is sort of a takeoff on what the house had proposed with theirs that, that all new equipment, um, as purchased from this year forward or next year forward, whatever the trigger date was going to be, uh, was going to be that piece of equipment, uh, and that, and others purchased from that deadline would never uh, be subject to business personal property tax and the 30% floor would just continue on old equipment. And so a piece of equipment that's 20 years old still has a 30% floor until it's taken out of service, uh, which says that the local business would be incentivized to basically unload that old piece of equipment and buy a new piece of equipment, but it would not be subject to business personal property tax. So then the question becomes, how do we replace that revenue stream uh, at the local level? Uh, and the, the house plan was that the local business would continue to pay business personal property tax and then apply for a credit in the same amount uh, from the state. And that basically would come out of state revenues. Uh, to pay back to the local business in the form of a tax credit uh, for that business personal property expense that they had. Uh, that just seems too complicated to me and to a number of my brethren here in the Senate that, uh, that feels that it's just a, kind of a messy way to, to provide that, that credit and the fact that we're not guaranteed that the locals uh, remain whole. Uh, so uh, we continue to have discussions. We continue to negotiate with the House, with the administration on what that might look like. Um, and uh, we, do, we just continue with those discussions. But I, I want you to understand that we want to signal from, from AIM and from uh, the Association of Indiana Counties on anything that we do that uh, basically they need to signal to us that they are going to be comfortable with whatever arrangement we come up with or whatever proposal is, uh, is made by the administration or members of the House of Representatives as we negotiate on this issue. I'm really glad to hear that, Senator. I, again, can't tell you how much we appreciate you and Senator Bray and Senator Mishler as the fiscal leaders and leaders in the Senate taking those concerns into consideration. It's uh, really appreciate it. I think we've got a, a great working relationship and look forward to the last uh, couple of weeks of discussion uh, on this issue. Shift gears here just a little bit. Um, you had a, a really interesting or have a really interesting bill uh, this session, Senate Bill 382, uh, which looks at GIS mapping for you know local well, income tax purposes. Um, something that we've probably needed for a long time. What, uh, what brought about your interest in that legislation, I, I guess I know why, but maybe people listening will not know why, sure. um, why it's so important going forward. Well, the, the Senate was in charge of chairing an interim study committee on uh, fiscal policy this last go around uh, this past uh, summer, uh, fall. 
and uh, I had asked for a presentation. I've always had an interest in GIS because I think that uh, uh, it provides uh, hard data so that we take all of the subjective discussion out of where tax dollars go and how those are redistributed uh, to the local units of government. Uh, Department of Revenue has pushed uh, for implementing GIS for a number of years, but we've never funded it. Uh, and so I asked, uh, well, first of all, I had several meetings with uh, the GIS folks uh, before we even got to the interim study committee. Uh, just wanted to know where they were, what, what kind of an update we needed from them for the study committee. And it became quite apparent that they were just underfunded. Uh, and so I asked them to put a trial budget together and it's, I don't wanna say only $7 million, but it was gonna cost only $7 million to fully fund in the first year, uh, the GIS program to provide uh, local support so that we get everybody on the same page. Uh, we deal with this duplication of lines uh, that are cities and towns that uh, bump up against each other. Um, we have a number of local units of government that are split uh, through the middle by separate county lines. Uh, there's just all kinds of difficulties out there in trying to, to get some uh, uh, clarification uh, for local units on who gets what tax dollars. And I think this brings that to, to fruition. The good part is the 7 million is the, the top line number. Uh, we figure by year three, we would be down to only about $5 million once we get the program launched and get things underway and just get to a maintenance level. I think it'll be quite a bit less expensive for us, but it's gonna resolve a lot of difficulties. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, contracts with third party providers out there. A lot of state agencies do uh, that we can do away with because they're providing the same kind of, of treatment of data that a complete GIS and consolidated integrated GIS system for the state will be able to provide that same service that we won't be paying out to third party providers uh, for that service any longer. So I think uh, it's going to be less than $5 million on an annual basis after that third year going forward. Uh, the good news is uh, the money is still there. Uh, we're still looking at uh, uh, fully funding uh, GIS. Uh, I've convinced my house folks that uh, we need to stay stay uh, on track. Uh, the administration appears to be on track with us as well. And so I think we're going to get there this year, um, which was good news. Great news. Yeah, it'll bring a lot of uh, necessary and, and worth worthy uh, information and data back to everybody for sure. So thank you for that. Um, again, shifting gears, I think, you know, what would be a legislative session if we didn't talk to you about TIF in one way, shape, or form? Um, there's a new concept that's been making a lot of news in recent weeks. That's uh, Senate Bill 361, uh -huh. uh, an initiative from the IEDC, obviously, that, you know, creates these big uh, mega TIFs, if you will, or, um, you know, innovation development districts or is the technical name in the bill. Where do you see that discussion heading and landing in the last few weeks of session? And also, you know, an, an issue that you've been pushing, which has been widely supported, at, at least by entities like ours, talent TIFs, sort of 
TIF following people instead of concrete mm-hmm. investment. Let me just talk about those two issues and sure. where, uh, where we stand. Well, Senate Bill 4, uh, what I call people TIF, uh, good term, Matt. Uh, the uh, people TIF language in Senate Bill 4 is still alive. It got rolled into three, uh, 382, I believe. Uh, my numbers are all getting boggled up in my head right now, but I think that language got folded into either 361 or 382, um, the IDC bill or the Department of Revenue bill. So that language is still alive, which is a good thing, which allows for local uh, recruitment and retention programs uh, to be funded by locals as they need, as they see fit and as they have a need, uh, which I think is a great thing. Uh, 361 is the uh, IEDC bill, which is the, well, some have called the super TIF. I think you may have used that term as well. Uh, one of the things that I applaud is um, Brad Chambers, the new uh, Commerce Secretary. One of the things that he did when he was recruited and started on the job is he went to all of the states that we compete with and asked them, how do you operate? Uh, how do you recruit and retain business? And found that uh, one of the keys was that the state actually owned the property that was basically going to be developed uh, in this innovation district uh, because it cuts out a lot of the red tape. It gets everything all cleared. You get all of the, the approvals uh, taken care of ahead of time and you just deal with one entity rather than a, a number of, of entities and trying to, to land a deal uh, with incentives and abatements and all those kind of things. And so um, I, I really hope that folks at the local level see this as a cooperative effort with the state of Indiana, that we're not going to be competing uh, at the state level with what local units are trying to do. Uh, but I think it's, uh, I think Brad Chambers is on to something. And I think with the latest development and the formation of the local board uh, to have local input uh, will be key to this being a successful program. And I think uh, uh, Brad Chambers is to be applauded. He's given a lot uh, from his original proposal uh, that, that he had put out there. And I think this is really uh, moving to a good place. And uh, I think we're going to see some, uh, a good product come out of all the discussion that we've had and uh, with locals being at the table as well. I, I agree. The, the the concept of having a tool to be able to go after some of these mega projects that we all read about in the news is encouraging. Um, you know, I think mechanically there are some things we still need to work through. And in fact, here in just an hour or two, we're we're meeting with your fiscal team to go through some of those issues. So appreciate the, the ongoing conversations sure. uh, around that concept as well. You know, you've. Um, You've talked a lot. In fact, when I talk to our members, council members, clerk treasurers, mayors around the state, one of the first or second issues that always comes up is housing. There is, a, as you know, a, a tremendous need for housing throughout the state. We're constantly talking about it. You can't talk about quality of place without including housing as a, a component of that. Um, you've started to look into that issue some this session, and I think it'll be one that'll take center stage, I hope, next session as well. You know, where do you see us going on, on housing policy in the state? Well, I, I've been disappointed. Uh, I think uh, four or five years in a row, the, 
Senate has passed uh, tax credit, housing tax credits for uh, affordable housing and mid-level housing, uh, only to see it die when it gets to the House. And uh, right now the bill is dead in the House unless we can get it inserted uh, somewhere else. But um, it seems we have made some great strides with workforce this session, but we continue to have a problem with workforce housing. Uh, and uh, uh, and maybe next year is going to be the key to getting that done. That'll be interesting to see how things shape out uh, after the election and uh, uh, what the Ways and Means Committee looks like uh, next year with uh, with the number of changes coming to the committee and leadership over there. So we're we're anxious to see what that's going to look like because I think we'll have a better shot at moving forward uh, with a few changes. Well, Senator, thank you for your time. Uh, we'll keep it quick. I know you're very busy with the end of session work going on uh, this week and, and maybe part of next week as well. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Appreciate your uh, leadership and service to the state. Thanks again. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. Visit amindiana.org slash bppt to get more information on Replace Donor Race. Thanks, everybody.